Welp, that's my expert analysis of yesterday's Lions game, Renee Vitelli. Welp. That's uh, a great analysis. So hopeful when we went into overtime. Well, and that's the thing. Look, I don't want to backslide into moral victories because moral victories is very uh, SOL, as they say. Yeah. But this one was tough, obviously. Um, But... I'm not worried. I'm not worried yet. And we're going to bring uh, Parker uh, Moser in, in just a second. I'm going to run this by the two of you. I'm not worried yet because I'm seeing signs of progress, right? Like they're just one. They're one and one. Let's not panic yet. I think Lions fans need to a stop throwing a parade every time they, they win a game and B stop saying same old lions every time they lose. Um, you know, there were times in that game that the same old Lions would have melted down that pick six. Yep. You know, at the beginning of last season, that would have started a spiral. They came back. They they had that one drive to uh, tie up the game. They didn't have their star wide receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown. They didn't have their starting running back, David Montgomery. There were a lot of hurt players. Right. Like, and it started on the first drive. So... Yeah, it's disappointing, and the defense needed to make two big stops. They only made it one. Made one. They only made it one. They only made <laughs> one. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I'm going to give it five games before saying we're going to the Super Bowl. And I know I was the guy saying that Lions versus Chiefs was uh, Chiefs was a Super Bowl preview. But I'm going to give it five games before I start to panic or start celebrating. And I know that Parker is frothing at the mouth. Parker Moser running our board. Go get them, Park. Okay, they got their hand caught in the cookie jar with this, right? They got really confident. They were overconfident after beating the Chiefs. And then they got carried away going for it on fourth down over and over and over again. By the end of the game, they could have been pushing for a win instead of a tie. Yeah, well, and and it's kind of weird because I will say this, you know, I've kind of just accepted that's who Dan Campbell is. He's go for it on fourth down type of guy. Um, you know, and then at the end of the game, he got conservative, but I don't know. I, I, I don't really have any issues with, with Dan Campbell going it forward on fourth all game and then going for the tie there. Um, cause that's kind of, that's kind of who he is now. And, and I remember last, last week we were applauding him for being aggressive, uh, when it worked out. So like, I kind of feel like y- you live by the fourth down, you die by the fourth. But down. do you think this time last year, we would have even been looking at an overtime? No, I think what would have happened is, is that pick six, um, Seattle would have put up like 21 unanswered on us or whatever. We would just start following ourselves through the end of the game. That's what usually happens. Yeah. Or that's my experience with watching the games is they start to collapse. They start making stupid mistakes and they basically march themselves backwards. So it's still progress. Yeah. And here's my, here's my other question to the two of you. Since they lost yesterday's game, do we think that's it for the blue face masks? No, Mm. no people spent money. I know I'd be wearing it. Well, well, here's yeah, the that's th- a good point. Here's the thing. I mean, uh, in, uh, you know, as they say on Game of Thrones, winter is coming. So at least if you don't win it, wear it to the. I, I, wear it to plow the snow. Yeah. <laughs> right, because we didn't we didn't wear them to plow the Seahawks. They plowed us. Yeah. But I, I think I, I think maybe if the Lions the Lions w- would have had to string together a couple home victories with the face mask to to catch on. Like if they would have started the face masks. At the beginning of their run last season, I think they would have stuck around and they'd be like 
you know, the the, the octopus, uh, the Red Wings octopus yeah. to mm-hmm. the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, maybe it'll catch on in the Seahawks locker room. There's a video going around of uh, Seattle's uh, safety, Jarek Reed, wearing a blue mask in the uh, in the locker room. So, all right. Well, hey. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna make the announcement. Parker Moser will be our official Lions correspondent on days where he happens to be working with us after a game. So, oh, that sounds awesome! Congrats. It's the only sport I know anything about. So. Good. Well, congratulations, Parker. It comes. I love the promotion. I'm much very like grateful. much like most promotions of this business, it comes with no extra money. There you <laughs> go. Uh, and uh, Renee, that Barry Sanders statue that they unveiled looked pretty sweet. Yeah, it's you know it's gorgeous. It's uh, it, I think that they did it well. Sometimes those statues. There's some really bad statue. <laughs> yep, it's outside of Ford Field. They did it Saturday. Ceremony was held uh, with team ownership, former players, including Calvin Johnson and other guests like former coach Wayne Fonts. Sanders spoke to the crowd after the statue was officially revealed, saying, if I could, I would go out to each and every single Lions fan, give you a hug, tell you how much I appreciate you. It's been such a wonderful journey for me just being lifted up and cheered on by all Lions fans out there and Barry Sanders fans. I really appreciate it. It's hard to express how much you really mean to me. So thank you so much, all of you Lions fans, for packing the Silver Dome, packing Ford Field. We had some great times together. The statue can be viewed outside of Gate B at Ford Field. And I believe that's the first Lions statue so yep. far. So mm-hmm. obviously Barry Sanders was the, the obvious choice. Rest of the football weekend went kind of as expected. Michigan got off to a sloppy start. They ended up beating Bowling Green. Michigan State got housed by number eight Washington and their Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback Michael Penix, former formerly a Hoosier. And speaking of Michigan State, they are launching an investigation into who leaked uh, sexual assault survivor and educator Brenda Tracy's name to the media after she accused uh, Mel Tucker of sexual harassment. Uh, she said that she went to USA Today with the allegations after she found out that her name was was linked her lawyer said that she had no intention of going public until she was outed. Uh, Mel Tucker obviously remains suspended without pay until early October. And uh, Renee, I, I mean, I, I the question is, you know, if, if her name was leaked and she wanted to keep a secret, wouldn't going to USA Today make it more public? But then. Maybe she was just maybe she wanted to tell her story before someone else told it for her. It sounds like she was trying to get in front of it. Yeah. And have control of the situation more, I guess, than yeah. it just spilling. And well, yeah, she, she wanted to get in front of it. Yeah. And, and you know, luckily uh, in, in my life, I've never been victimized, you know, in that way. But I would imagine that um, it's a very powerless feeling. So maybe the fact that her her name was leaked to the media uh, she wanted to take some of that power back. Right, right. Um, and oh, by the way, the UAW is still on strike. Um, day four. Yeah, day four. And uh, Sean Fain had some pretty strong words for Stellantis. Uh, yeah, he says, quit playing games. Uh, he's saying that he released a statement saying, once again, the union has mischaracterized the facts. It was made very clear to the UAW leadership that the competitive offer presented on Thursday included a strong future for Belvedere yep. and was connected to the contract deadline. Our intention was to present a strong proposal for Belvedere and at the same time avoid a strike for our represented workers. 
The truth is UAW leadership ignored Belvedere in favor of a strike. As we stated earlier today, we are glad to continue to work on a solution for Belvedere. We want to have a solution, including Belvedere. When we work together, we win together. We stand ready to get everyone back to work as soon as possible. Yeah, and I guess uh, Belvedere is a plant in Illinois that was shuttered. I guess Stellantis in their original offer said, look, if you... Accept this offer without striking. We'll reopen Belvedere. Right. And Sean Fang said, well, you're kind of using these workers as a bargaining chip. And Mm -hmm. and like you just said, um, the union says that's a mischaracterization. Uh, 600 workers have been laid off by Ford, mainly at the Wayne Assembly Plant. GM said that uh, 2,000 more workers may be laid off at the Missouri plant um, where, where they're striking. Uh, more plants will be shuttered down the line. There's a lot of speculation on if part plants will be shut down, causing other plants to close because no ca- no no plants, no cars, allowing those workers to be unemployed, uh, right. to collect unemployment. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the interesting thing is, is not every employee laid off due to the strike may be able to collect unemployment. Uh, this is kind of tricky. And I was kind of looking into this because there were, there were uh, some people on my Facebook feed who, who worked at Wayne Assembly. And they said, you know, they're they're not necessarily on strike. They don't work in the part of the plant that's on strike. Right. But they can't work because the strike, you know, people are striking and, and, and the plant. It's the snowball effect. Yeah, and the plant can't operate. But since that plant is on strike, even though these people are technically laid off, they can't get unemployment because they're lumped in with the people who are striking. This is so complicated right. and messy. So there's there's quite a few people at the Wayne Assembly Plant who are in a tough uh, situation. Um, now, um, we we said uh, Stellantis, the, the talks with Stellantis are not going great. No word on the talks with GM. Uh, Sean Fain says that Ford... Uh, talks have been reasonably productive, which uh, that's the first that's the first time we've heard him say anything along those lines. So maybe there's a maybe there's a glimmer of hope there. Hopefully. And, um, you know, Bernie Sanders, he was in town for a UAW rally over the weekend. President Biden has dispatched uh, uh, people from his team to help with the negotiations. And Nolan Finley reports that Donald Trump is mulling over a visit as well. So I'll be very interested to see the tenor of Donald Trump's visit if he makes it. Um, I actually think he's going to be pro worker because he spoke out against the auto company and their trans the companies in their transition to EVs. But uh, there, there you go, Renee. Everyone's trying to get some FaceTime on that picket line. Well, it's a smart move. Yeah, tis the season, <laughs> right? You got a strike and you've got a presidential campaign. It's so. a good look. Only in America. It's first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on WJR. All right, tough one yesterday. The uh, Lions losing in overtime to the Seattle Seahawks looked like they were well. It looks like they were looked like they were blowing it. Then it looked like they battled back. And uh, um, the, the defense needed to make two stops: one in regulation, one in overtime. Only got the one in regulation. I'm not worried yet. I'm not worried yet. Um, I'm going to give it some time. But uh, we're all a little bit bummed this morning. That's right. Um, but the other thing that had been dominating my social media feed all weekend, and Renee, on Friday you came in to the control room and you asked Nick Roddy and I about this. <laughs> For some reason, the Roman Empire is trending all over social media, and, and Renee's going to tell us why. Uh, so apparently, you men, or many men. What do you mean, you men? What you do you men. mean, you people? 
you think about the Roman Empire more often than you should. Wait, what's the correct amount? I was going to ask. What do, you, what do you mean should? And Park- when is, okay, Parker, when is the last time you thought about the Roman Empire? Honestly. Bef- before, like right now, it was probably a couple days ago. Okay. No. Why? Well, and, and, and so what? There's some social media challenge going around uh, TikTok and Instagram. Where, where women are asking their significant others, when's the last time you thought about the Roman Empire? And and the responses are yeah. just like Parker's. Well, here's my question: Are you talking about like in depth or just like a passing thought? Because Wait, we we have millions of thoughts a day. I mean, the Roman Empire is probably going to get in there somewhere. What? No, I can't. I think the last time I thought about it was when I was taught in high school about it. Well, you know what? If you don't learn from the mistakes of the past, you'll... Oh, my God. But I think you're going to apply this to anything. You know, I'm, I'm sure in the past few days I've thought about the British Empire, the Empire State Building. You know, ask a dad about World War II. The other day I thought of that episode of Saved by the Bell where uh, Johnny Dakota tried to give him pot and they made that stupid PSA. <laughs> I think about that a lot more than I think of the Roman Empire. But it could just be confirmation bias. What? I feel like... I, I don't know. I, I mean, oh, I, I, I mean, you have tons of unconscious thought. Now, the what? last time I remember actively thinking about the Roman Empire was back when libraries were banning books. Um, you know, that was in the news. It, it reminded me of 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 of, of like the, the Roman book burning. But I don't know. Like I said, this can this can uh, this can apply to a ton of things. Uh, you know, um, Renee, when is the last time you thought about Polly Pocket. No, probably the last time I thought about the Roman Empire, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of with her on that one. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Just but but take like anything random, you know, take anything random. Chances are you've probably thought about it in the past few days. The Roman Empire is probably the most random, though. I tried it out on my husband. Thankfully, he falls not into this category. Yeah. He was like, I'm actually thinking about why you haven't made breakfast yet. Because I asked him Saturday yeah, morning. I- so I guess us men, what we think about most is sex, uh-huh. then food, then the Roman Empire. It I all guess. connects. It, it all makes sense, I suppose. It's what? a very balanced pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> three things. Um, let me read you a very in-depth academic analysis on this subject because uh, – Uh, This is from the great philosopher, my buddy Steve from high school, and he weighed in on it. Uh He goes, I legit am not sure how it is possible to go more than a week and not think about the Roman Empire. It is referenced near constantly in all forms of media. It is referred to constantly in the New Testament of the Bible and therefore church readings and sermons. Its language, political system, legal system, currency, architecture, engineering, medicine, and on and on and on are still the basis of our Midas society. So basically, any rabbit hole you fall down leads back to Rome. And there is no ancient society in the Western world that has had greater impact. If you think about basically any subject at any depth, you're start, you start to think about Rome. It's inescapable. So, yeah, I'm, But the thing is, like, there's, there's like a ton of words that originated back in Rome. There's a ton of words that originated back like during the Great Depression. Like even if you're not thinking about it, even if you're not thinking about it consciously, it's, it's still crossing your mind. Subconsciously, yeah. we're always reverting back to it. Right. Uh, oh. I, I'm going to use Seinfeld as an example. Oh, here we go. Because I 
I resisted watching Seinfeld for years. I just didn't Same. get it. I just didn't get it. Sure. But I would hear the cultural references through osmosis. Like, right. no soup for you. Right. I just course. thought that was a funny thing they said on Sports Center. I don't want to be a pirate. Right. Yeah. You, you know, and so people would kind of drop drop those little Seinfeld references mm-hmm. in the right context, and they were funny. I wasn't actively thinking about Seinfeld, but I was thinking of Seinfeld adjacent things. I love that you are comparing the Roman Empire to Seinfeld. <laughs> you know, they were both they were both very uh influential moments in our history. So yeah, I think this is just confirmation bias. You, there's there's probably a multitude of topics that men, women, you know, non-binary think about every day. Your friend is onto something. Yeah. At what? One time a week is what he said? At once a week, that's only 52 times a year that's that you're true. thinking about the Roman Empire. I feel like that's a pretty low number. And i like to congratulate, congratulate Parker again because we are now making him our Roman Empire correspondent. That's <laughs> two promotions in one day. Let's go. <laughs> On days. This is a great day for me. That he happens to be working. And Parker, just like the last promotion, this one comes with no extra money. Days yeah. I happen to be working and days we also happen to think about the Roman Empire. This is going to be a great position. Cards. Yeah, <laughs> and, but we're not paying for the new business cards. <laughs> Darn. Uh, eventually, these uh, promotions are going to bankrupt Parker. Okay. <laughs> so, Renee, there's this new phenomenon, and I guess it's not a new phenomenon, um, but it's it's picked up speed in the last couple weeks. The celebrity apology video. Yeah. Um, Drew Barrymore, she uh, is pausing her talk show after posting a tearful apology um, to the striking writers on Instagram, which she later took down. Uh, It's the second high-profile celebrity apology in past weeks. Uh, The other one was Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis for writing character letters on behalf of uh, their former That 70s Show co-star Danny Masterson, who was sentenced to 30 years in prison for rape. And it, 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 I almost feel like these, these apology videos may, seem to make it worse. It is. And, and I, I blame him because they don't have the people to save them from themselves. They don't have their writers to help them. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> could you imagine? Could you imagine that's an, a, a completely new gig for writers writing apology videos? I think that they do have those people that help them and save them from themselves. And they don't have that right now. They don't have that safety net. Right. Well, and also these apology videos, I don't think they resonate with people because it it, it looks more like CYA Mm -hmm. than actually being remorseful. Right. Um, You know, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis didn't make an apology video until people got mad at them. Right. Same thing with Drew Barrymore. And I think what happens is these people are, are, are too rich and too insulated for too long. They're they're out of touch. Right. And so they do something that they think is is no big deal or or they they do something that they don't think is going to make a lot of people angry. Mm-hmm. And when it does, they get shocked and then they do these these videos where like, you know, they've got no makeup on and they're like just sitting in some random room in their house to make it make them look more relatable. Right. And it just it it like I said, it's 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 almost it's almost as bad as the original infraction. Right. And it's met with eye rolls and you've done more damage. You should have just went away and been silent and eventually it would have faded away. Yeah. Now, I don't know what um, repercussions Drew Barrymore's career is going to have with this. I would imagine that her, um, Jennifer Hudson, which bums me out, Kelly Clarkson, Bill Maher, these are all people who are um, 
resuming production during the strike, I would imagine that they're not going to get the best writers after this is done. They're not. And it's going to hurt their show because they're not going to get the best writers and people are going to uh, they're going to lose viewership. Well, and I think we need to stop pretending that Bill Maher is still the, the liberal counterweight in, in in commentary. Right. He did say it, he's doing this for the other people on his show and their jobs. But maybe along those lines, then maybe what you do is you, you make your show kind of a, a forum for these writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I understand people need to make a living, but that's the exact reason the writers are striking. And then Ashton Kutcher, he actually had to step down from the organization that he started with Demi Moore to combat uh, online sexual trafficking, um, which, you know, what once he once he wrote that letter, like he had to step down from a PR standpoint. Why did he react so quickly? Like, look at the big picture of what the repercussions were going to be of you writing that letter. Yeah. And and yeah, you're the big picture of everything that you're tied to. What, what made you think that was going to be a good idea? And because, I mean, you know, they're saying in their apology, well, no, this wasn't this wasn't saying that the uh, uh, allegations weren't true. We were just talking about the person we know. Okay, but if you thought the allegations were true, you're not going to write a letter on behalf of someone that you thought committed sexual assault on somebody. The big picture. Right. So (laughs) essentially, yes, you were saying it's not true unless you endorse uh, what he is accused of doing. Right. So. Um, and I'm sure he might have done some really great work with that organization. But at, at this point, if you write a letter like that, defending somebody who's facing those kind of allegations and, and your organization is to fight sexual assault, there's there's no coming back from that, at least as head of that organization. All, you're on, all of your good intentions are undone. Right. Uh, first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. All right. The crew is mostly all here. Renee Vitale has been with me all morning. Uh, Jamie's on jury duty. The federal government is trying to sabotage our new team. Poor guy. <laughs> who, did, who did you? Who did you tick off, guy? I, I've been ticking off people for forty years. Yeah, <laughs> mostly my wife. Got, yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe it was Gail who called her to jury duty. You better find out what you did. Yeah, and well, Lloyd, you know, those can that, that can be a nine month case. I mean, well, it, crossed I, my fingers. Here. I don't know if that's an iceberg you want to. Uh, yeah, you want to uncover. And Lloyd is here and. There is nothing I wanted more to come in this morning and ask Lloyd to give us a a live forward down the field, but uh, but uh, yeah, I know I was ready too. I was me, ready. Me too. They were uh, they were forward down the field on offense, but they were backing up on defense. Yes, they. Yeah, that's God. the problem. Yeah, Man. well, and what I said at the beginning of the show, I'm disappointed. I'm not worried. I didn't see a team that that crumbled during adversity you know at the beginning yeah. of last season that pick yeah, six right. would have caused a spiral yeah uh, a downward spiral but they fought back um the drive that they 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 tied the game up on they were without david montgomery they were without amon ross st brown and they still found a way they needed two big stops one in regulation one in overtime they got got the one in regulation not the one in overtime so i'm not I'm not willing to say same old Lions. No. Um, I, I, I still saw a team no, that I felt pretty good about. No, they aren't. No. We aren't. wouldn't have had an overtime. Same old officials. That's oh, true. good Lord. That that, that offensive uh, pass interference call was was garbage. And then the one where Aiden was mugged yeah. uh, dur- during yeah. the final drive yeah. there. I, you know the refs are bad 
when Greg Olson is on our side. <laughs> There's a couple of there is there is a good <laughs> there was a good amount of of, of of penalties where Greg Olson, who was doing color for the game, was like, Oh, I don't know about that one. The Ooh, intentional grounding. Yeah. The intentional but did you didn't you love the refs come back to Gino as he was doing yeah, his I'm whining with Talking to America here. Right. <laughs> Almost sounded like George W. Talking to America. And it's like, okay, are you just calling these penalties to talk to America? Or and, and, and you know, even Greg Olson on that last play said, Aiden's being mugged. He's being mugged here. And so, well, next week's the next the week's Falcons. The, and the Falcons are, are playing pretty good. So, 2-0. You know, yeah, so you can't, you know, you got to be ready for these guys when they come in next week. And I do. Do we think with the loss, the uh, the error of the blue face mask is over? No, I don't think so. You think? I hope not, because I think it could be cool. It could be like our new octopus. Yeah, it could be. So yeah, that could here. be fun. Yeah. Did you see uh, Coach Prime on sixty Minutes last night? I didn't see him on sixty Minutes, but I did see him uh, on some other shows. Man, let me tell you, that game was amazing as well. Crazy. <laughs> that game was amazing. Well, and here's the thing: I I, I do like Coach Prime. I think there's I, I I think there's a certain amount of Coach Prime that I can take, and he said after the game, um, you know, there's beef between him and the Colorado State head coach because Colorado State head coach said he didn't like Coach Prime wearing sunglasses and stuff, and then Coach Prime said we couldn't let him win because could you imagine how insufferable the post game press conferences uh, would be? And I'm like, well, you know. You you might be able to say the same about uh, some of Coach Prime's press conferences, but but overall, I mean, it's very exciting. It's the new Showtime Lakers for NCAA uh, football. It's, you know what? It's fun. It's entertaining and all that. But I got to tell you, I, for my, it's killing college football for me. Yeah. When you tell fifty kids, I don't want you. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who committed to that school? Didn't well, just commit to a coach. Committed right. to the school. It hasn't been about the education for a while. All right, so I got. I want to get to this uplifting story because we're all a little bit bummed this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is something I got off Facebook, which is always a risk, but I vetted it and it seems legit. So uh, this woman, Hannah from uh, Wyandotte, she posted a a, uh, a story that. Um, her daughter's three years old, and she lost her grandpa to cancer about three months ago. Um, and so she's having a hard time grieving and understanding she's three years old. So she uh, wanted to send paintings to her grandfather in heaven and mail them to him. And so uh, Hannah put the paintings in the mailbox and, and left a note that said, um, hey, you know, my daughter wants to send. The, I told him uh, she can send them to her grandpa in heaven. Just just take them. And I'll tell him. And so the next day she walks out and she gets a note. Hi, this is your mailman. I just wanted to tell you that I sent your paintings to heaven last night. They should arrive there really fast because I shipped them with heaven postage. Oh, oh wow. If you want to send more things to heaven, just leave them in your mailbox and I'll make sure to get them out ASAP. If you and your family have any questions about shipping to heaven, feel free to stop and ask me anything. P.S. Sorry for your loss and sorry for my poor handwriting <laughs> so that is so uh, sweet. that it, is wonderful yeah and uh, i i mean and god we don't have time to get into it but it, you know there, there there are certain times in people's lives or careers where they get to go above and beyond and and this guy th- this guy did it and um you know what what a wonderful memory for that family and that three-year-old once she kind of gets older and realizes what this guy did no question you know and 
you know, you hear people say, well, you know, if, if it's a government shutdown, it's, you know, it's, 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 a lot of these federal workers aren't that committed. Listen, that, that's an example of a federal it worker. Is. The kind of federal workers I've had contact with. For, and me as well. For, for that's an years. angel is what that is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the, they, those, those people are committed to their work. Give that guy a raise. Jay Morning next. Mike Parsons with Renee Vitale, and you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Just uh, search First Thing WJR. Hunter Biden was officially indicted late last week for lying on a federal gun form about being in, uh, addicted to drugs after a plea deal literally fell apart in the courtroom back in July. Matthew Schneider, former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan. Now with Big Law, he breaks it down on All Talk. Welcome back. Federal prosecutors, they indicted President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, on three gun charges that have been tied to uh, possessing a gun while using narcotics. And the accusation is they lied about being addicted to drugs, Kevin. And we saw this uh, play out just uh, about two months ago, what they called a sweetheart plea deal that collapsed. And now there's serious charges against the president's son. What a world we live in, Tom. This is the son of the president of the United States indicted. Uh, We saw this year the former president of the United States indicted. Uh, Let's bring in Matthew Schneider, partner at Hahnemann, former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan. Good morning, Matthew. How are you? Thanks for having me back. And you're right. You know, we've seen president's sons in trouble before. We've seen Billy Carter. Remember him? And we've seen Roger Clinton. But it's never been like this. We've never seen an actual indictment and potential federal prison time against a president's son. It's really precedent setting quite unbelievable. So when you look at this, how serious are the charges? How strong is the case? The charges are very serious, and the case appears to be quite strong. What's interesting here is originally he was charged with, as we remember, this misdemeanor tax charge and then uh, a pretrial diversion for the gun case that would have gone away. And the defense position was essentially, you know, if we accept this deal, then the Hunter Biden would still be under investigation for other things, so we reject it. Well, let's look at that now. They rejected that deal, and now he's facing these three felonies, and he's still under investigation for FARA registration violations, and I think he's likely to be indicted for tax violations. So it's kind of difficult to see, from my perspective, why Hunter Biden's legal team thought that this was a good idea. Is there a way to sort of walk it back and still come up with some sort of plea deal, not the sweetheart plea deal he had originally, but a different plea deal? Certainly, he can still plead guilty. It looks like the sentencing guidelines, if he were to go to trial on this, it's not going to be 10 years or anything like that. It's probably just over a year in federal prison. But if he strikes a plea uh, bargain with, with the government, it's not that much of a bargain because he doesn't necessarily escape that legal jeopardy of potentially going to prison. But his sentence could be lower And so it's possible he could still plead guilty. It's possible he could still get probation. But we don't know. We're still looking at a potential federal prison sentence. I guess uh, one of the questions is, how is it possible that Hunter Biden pleads not guilty? Because he's already admitted and confessed in his book that he was doing crack every few minutes during the same time that he was trying to get this gun and filling out this uh, background check, that he wasn't doing any drugs or that he wasn't addicted to drugs. Um, is is it? I mean, if he pleads not guilty in this, how does he, how does his defense team come around and try to make that case? All of those statements would come back against him. They would use those statements against him. And it's a very good point, Tom. You know, uh, Hunter Biden's attorney 
was just saying the government is going to have to prove their case, and that's very difficult because I was just uh, I was just coming out of rehab at that time, and therefore I wasn't addicted. Well, that really ignores all of these statements that he already made about using drugs and being on crack. So you're right. He's made these statements in the past, and they very much will be used against him if he tries to go to trial. Yeah, so now he's facing, I know it's probably not realistic, but 25 years in prison for these charges. Um, it's a direct contrast to the plea deal that he had, and that had broken down in, in the, the, over the summer, where he would have gotten zero prison time. Is it possible? How I guess how likely? I know Kevin asked this about it about a plea agreement, but it is possible that or likely that David Weiss does agree to another plea deal. And if that is the case, will immunity in any sense at all be involved in that? It's not necessarily a plea deal. The defendant has a constitutional right to plead guilty if he wants. So if he does plead guilty under the federal system under federal law he's entitled to a lower sentence so that's not necessarily a bargain and that also doesn't mean that he escapes other things the immunity question is totally separate he would get immunity perhaps if he cooperated against other people but these gun charges are really against him and the tax charges are against him that's his own problem i don't know who he, who he could cooperate against for being a fel uh, a drug user in possession of a firearm those looking for justice in this case, uh, can they have faith in special counsel David Weiss that he'll treat Hunter Biden like any other person who's facing these charges? I think so. What's what's upsetting to me is you hear Hunter Biden's lawyer saying this is all just political. And then you hear Donald Trump's lawyers and Donald Trump saying the case against him is all political. Uh, look, we're kind of like seeing the death in the trust of federal government prosecutions. And no matter who it is, if you're a Republican or a Democrat, the default position is now to say, don't trust the government. I think we have to get away from that in America. If we do, that's going to be a spillover effect on all different crimes, like somebody robs a bank and they can be accused of political motives. That's really going to be a problem for the American justice system moving forward. Do you think that David Weiss here is that this is just the beginning, that he, in fact, is going to pursue these other avenues related to his foreign business dealing and, you know, and Hunter Biden acting as a foreign agent without registering with FARA, uh, those types of things? Yes, I do. And I, I read the transcript of this plea deal when it fell apart the first time. It's exactly what the prosecutor said. He said they're still looking at FARA. That's still on the table. I predict he'll still be indicted for the tax charges. I think they're still investigating other things related potentially to President Biden. There's a lot of jeopardy here coming forward for Hunter Biden and potentially for Joe Biden. That's Matthew Schneider, former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan, on All Talk, talking about the Hunter Biden indictment. And uh, coming up after the news, for some weird reason, the Roman Empire has been trending all over the place. You brought this up last week, Renee, and I, I kind of, I didn't brush it off, but I kind of laughed it off. But it's literally been everywhere. So we'll talk about that after the news.